Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ladies and gentlemen, record geeks, retired plate spinners, and millennials who want to impress their parents with their record collections. Welcome to the RhinoCast podcast, brought to you by Rhino Records. Get ready for new releases, deep tracks, and conversations with your favorite artists and bands. And balloons for the kiddies. And now, your hosts with the most, Rich Mahan and Dennis the Menace. On this episode of the Rhino Podcast, we have part two of our conversation with Grace Slick. I had a taste for the Hey, Dennis. Hey, Rich. What are you up to? I am checking Rhino.com before we start this next podcast, as I am wont to do. Not surprised. I haven't run through all the content yet. I'm trying to. (laughs) I'm trying to get to the point where I say, well, that's it. I've done Rhino.com, but it doesn't happen. So much to learn, as well as, you know, drool over. The Woodstock 50th anniversary just happened, and it's kind of apropos, since Grace Slick did perform with Jefferson Airplane at Woodstock. But... The Massive 38 CD box set did sell out. However, there's still 10 CD box sets, three CD sets, as well as a five LP box set of Woodstock. There's so much good music, stage banter. It's still available, folks. And speaking of Grace Slick, you and executive producer of the Rhino podcast, John Hughes, visited Grace at her Malibu home and had quite the epic conversation. We were there for a couple of hours, and this part two covers the starship, her solo records, her art, and, as we said before, a little bit of politics. After all, this was the lady who tried to spike the punch bowl with acid at the White House. Showed up with Abby Hoffman. Well, let's get to it, because I really want to hear the rest of this combo. No, it ain't what you want, it's what you need. So I kind of have to go into this in the most non-controversial way, and I'll read you just a line or two from your book. Why not be controversial? Yeah, come on. Oh, I'm about, oh, I'm about to. <laughs> that's, I'm a, more, that's way more fun, well, right? Well, you called, you said one band was a circus, the other was a musical shopping mall. So the Starship. You've talked a lot about... I don't ju- understand me. Yeah, well, you wrote that. I know, but, but that's I don't know good. what I'm talking about. You had songs like Runaway, Miracles, uh, which I think are fantastic songs that are obviously still being streamed millions of streams a month, but it wasn't the airplane. It was different. 
Well, Miracles is written by Marty. Yeah, right. And he would have brought that song to Airplane. Oh, really? Oh, sure. Yeah. Oh, sure. I'm just talking about the radio hits. There was a different approach. The Starship, yeah. the Starship yeah. you know, you did once call it a sellout band. And the thing is that... That's the 80s. Yeah. That's 80s Starship, which yeah. is... But Red Octopus is None a of those songs. Record. Yes, that's what I'm yeah. getting at. Octopus, yeah. that's okay. Right. But 80s, that's a sellout in this sense. We didn't write the songs. Diane Warren wrote one of the songs. Yeah. She's a big, monster songwriter. Bernie Taupin mm-hmm. wrote the other song. Peter Wolf, who's a producer, wrote the other song. What I was trying to do in the 80s, unfortunately, and this is all my fault, is I'm a big, sarcastic, drive 125 miles an hour drunk Drunk. My daughter's a wine, was, she's sober, but she was a, yeah, poor me drunk. I'm a fuck you drunk. And I was trying to behave Mm. in the 80s, so I would do what the producer said to do. And when they brought, we built this city on rock and roll, I thought that's the stupidest damn song I've ever heard. Rolling Stone said it's the dumbest song ever written. They're right. Mm. Unfortunately, uh, even people like Bernie Taupin write songs that gag me. And he's a really good songwriter, lyricist. Yeah, I think it's shocking when people hear that he wrote that song. They're like, what? What?" And he was, and it's stupid. Everybody thinks we were talking about San Francisco. No, we weren't. We didn't write the song. What's he talking about? Uh, We built this city on, there's no city built on rock and roll. Rock and roll is too new. London has been there since Roman times. L.A.'s built on oil and oranges and motion pictures. Uh, San Francisco was gold rush, uh, uh, commerce. Uh, New York. All these cities are too old to be built on rock and roll. So what are you talking about? (laughs) He was talking about the clubs closing briefly in L.A. What? What do we care? We're a San Francisco band. I don't care what happens in L.A. Right. What, and, and what does that have to do with anything? But our producer liked it, and he was right. Went to mm. number one. But not for us. Bernie Taupin gets that money. Right. And I get to stand up on stage and act like a fool singing this stupid song. And I'm sorry, Bernie, but it is stupid. I don't care if it went to number one. Frankie Avalon went to number one, too. And I don't like that either. I didn't even like Elvis Presley. So I'm way off in left field for stuff I like. interesting how you say you wanted to play ball yeah i wanted to be a nice guy because i had uh left we played we were playing germany and i decided i'm just gonna leave Mm -hmm. fortunately we could do that because we had two singers we had marty ballon and me so it it doesn't hamper the band if you only have one singer then then you're screwed but uh you don't leave in the middle of a tour 
That, that's not cool. So I'm trying to make it up by being sober, which I was all during the 80s. Too bad. I, 80s were awful. I should have been drunk. <laughs> uh, but I was sober all during the 80s and doing what I'm told yeah. and doing these stupid songs. And they went, three of them went to number one. But they're not ours. Uh, Diane Warren wrote one of them, Nothing's Gonna Stop Us Now. Do you know that 51% of the people get married also get a divorce? Mm -hmm. What are you talking about, nothing's gonna... <laughs> a, a, Mack, a Mack truck will stop you right now in your tracks. <laughs> what do you mean nothing's gonna stop us now? Something can stop you. <laughs> I just didn't like any of the songs that we were singing, but I did them because I'm trying to be a nice girl. Was it strange to be there without Paul after all those years? Not really. Yeah? No. Just moving on? Yeah. Well, I had married Skip, yeah. a guy who's probably here in the house. Probably now. <laughs> He's coming in today. from. He lives in the East Coast. Yeah. But I was married to Skip, so it wasn't weird. It's not even in a co-worker sense, like you're used to seeing this guy at the office every day. <laughs> uh, no, not, not really. I can't remember it being weird. Um, he was annoyed with us because he wanted to put an 11-minute song about outer space on an album in the 80s. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, they're not buying it. The record company's <laughs> doing it. Nobody wants an 11-minute song. Sorry. So he was mad, so he left the band. He would send <laughs> uh, every place that we played, hotel, before we got in, whatever rooms we had, there'd be a copy of a bad review mm. of something we were doing. And he'd do that for every town. <laughs> he'd pick out the bad reviews and said he was mad. So, yeah, a little dumb stuff like that would go on. I want to go backwards just for a minute because I don't want to skip over it. Back to songs like Play on Love, Pretty As You Feel. How do you feel those were different? Because they were really close to the airplane. They had your voice. But I think it was the instrumentation that was more synthesizer. Where, how did that kind of occur? You're Only Pretty As You Feel was written by Joey Covington, I think, who was one of our drummers. It was a bridge period, I think, between airplane and uh, selling out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the uh, Starship in the... 70s was not uh, necessarily sell out. That, that's a bridge period. You're only pretty as you feel. Only pretty as you feel inside. You're only pretty as you feel. Just as pretty as you feel inside. The 80s is just a. Uh, Whatever the producer says, and he knew, he knew they were number one songs. He wasn't a stupid producer, it was Ron Nevison, he's very good. And he has almost perfect pitch. If you sang slightly flat on one word, half the word was flat, he could say, do it again, and punch you in. The guy was just amazing. I don't know what he's doing now, but he's an amazing producer. And he knew the number one songs. 
So he's made a lot of money for the songwriters. The artists don't get money for that stuff. We just have to get up and look stupid singing it. So this group of solo albums, which Rhino now has, you know, and is and is making available to everybody, you know, widely for the first time. Yeah. But it's such a mix. I went back and I listened, and oh my gosh, software was right of the times. It was new wave. It was synth sounds. It fit right in with, you know, with 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 the bands of the time. Right. I know. So. I will defend all the machines. A song you wrote on that record that well, that's real though. That's I, very real. I had yeah. had uh, a physical, and uh, it's a echocardiogram. Mm-hmm. Echo all those, and they all said, "Oh, she's okay." So it's all the machines say, "I'm okay." But it's just interesting how you predicted automation back in 1984. I, I mean, didn't predict it. They already it was, had it was the happening, machines. Right. They already had it. Yeah. It was already going. It's just that most people don't sing about their medical checkups. <laughs> all the machines say I'm okay. All the machines say All the doctors listen to what the machines have to say. All the machines say I'm okay. Then welcome to the wrecking ball. That was Sunset Strip. That was like full-on rock and roll. Welcome to the Wrecking Ball, I think, is Ron Frangipani, he's a producer, mm-hmm. and Scott Zito is the guitar player who kind of organized the song. And it's hard, it's a, a heavy metal. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's fun to try out different stuff. So I don't know who introduced me. I can't, cannot remember who introduced me to Ron Frangipani or Scott, I think... Ron brought in Scott, um, but it's fun to do different stuff. And since I have a big attitude, I can sing hard rock. Mm-hmm. If you want hard rock, I can do that. Oh, yes, you can. <laughs> but the songs, mm, they weren't that good. Great, great album cover, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I actually got on a wrecking ball. Did you really? Yeah. yeah. Wow, so that's an actual shot. It's not- yeah. I know Miley Cyrus uh, <laughs> did that years later, and I thought, and she's right over there. Well, you she copied there. me. High in the air here. She wasn't copying me. She just didn't know I'd done right. it because nobody paid attention to that album. Whoa! Do everything, do it all! In the record Speed around! Let's get down to the record Then there's Dreams, which has a lot of ballads except for Angel of the Night in the middle. And that was like, so it's like ballad, ballad, ballad. Oh, this was like heart. This was like full on, again, in the middle of ballads. So how do, how does things like, they just pitch you on songs? How does that happen? Oh, Dreams uh, is actually fairly good solo album. I liked it. Uh, for me, it is. Um, the, the song Dreams is written by a guy who was an explosives expert in Vietnam. You know, you'd think, what? <laughs> uh, but it's a good song. It's weird, and I liked it. Oh, 
And there are other songs on there. And the children dance and sing Russian, almost. But the children dance and sing Every time we're spring in the season And then there's 15 minutes of the theme in Manhole. Talk about it. Meatloaf had nothing on you. I mean, that's, a, that's an anthem. Well, Manhole's kind of a drunken situation where uh, you do whatever you want, and you don't either that or it's too much cocaine, and you keep mixing it over and over again, you know, thinking this is better, or we got to do another one, crazy stuff. But I'm surprised RCA let me get away with that. I used the uh, London Philharmonic Orchestra or something. Wow. I mean, what, you know, and I didn't know what I was doing. Stephen Schuster wrote some of the stuff for the London Symphony for this manhole, but I can't even remember manhole. All I can remember is asking the janitor at night, who was Spanish, how to say certain things in Spanish. <laughs> And I'd write them down phonetically. I can't speak Spanish. So I'd write it down phonetically. I'd say, here's what I want to say. And he'd say, oh, that's bueno, whatever it is. And I'd just do it phonetically. You just escaped Altamont in time, didn't you? I guess, yeah, because we were in a helicopter, and uh, Paul was looking down at the stage. He said, it looks like somebody's getting killed down there. And he's right. Mm. Did you, after that, you know, have you watched the film Give Me Shelter and just kind of had a, a tingle and just said, wow, this is... Yeah, it's spooky. And people say, well, that's the end of the hippie or whatever they call it, end of the 60s. They, well, yeah, it's 1970. Yeah, it's the end of the 60s. <laughs> right. Uh, the end of that era. Rhino's about to put out, and you're going to tell me exactly how many CDs it is. They're putting out 1,969 copies. A 38 CD 30, box set of the entire Woodstock Festival. The airplane wasn't really featured heavily in the film, and now there's going to be an opportunity, due to things like this coming out, for people to really hear the performance and everything that happened. But the tale is told that you spent a lot of time trying to be pretty for Woodstock. Oh, God, we'd been, uh, no, we'd been up all <laughs> night. And uh, I can't remember going to the bathroom. And the problem was, is what they had to do, because of the weather and because of the amount of people, is we were in a hotel the bands, and they would get a helicopter half an hour before you're supposed to go on, pick you up, drop you backstage, you'd go up, you'd play, you get off, the helicopter takes you back to the hotel. Hmm. But when we, <laughs> they picked us up, put us backstage, we were supposed to play at night. 
But things got screwed up either mechanically or something. I don't know what it was. And we were on stage all night. So we played at dawn. And if there's one thing that's weird, it's rock and roll at dawn. Yeah. So <laughs> I wasn't trying to look pretty. I was just trying to stand up. Sorry about those who got the green. We got a whole lot of orange. And it was fine. Still is fine. Everybody's vibrating. There weren't any bathrooms. There weren't... I didn't have a mirror. I had no idea what I looked like. No, I wasn't trying to be pretty. <laughs> I was just trying to be, sing the song right. So what can we learn from things like that people are trying to today in our society? They're trying to go back. And, you know, what John was just saying about the popularity of, of you know, people wanting 38 CDs of every inch of an event that now people today have tried to revamp and are realizing that you can't go back. You can't really, that lightning in a bottle still remains in the bottle no matter how many times you try to open the bottle again. Yeah, that's right. So what, so what kind of learning do you think we, as we're living today, what can we learn from that as far as making our own, our own things that are just as captivating as that time? Don't know. You've got to do it. Yeah. You don't have a generation that's together as a generation. Now, we didn't do it on purpose and say, well, let's everybody in New York and San Francisco and L.A. and Chicago all get the... Uh, I mean, there was one blues band guy that said, Grace Slick can't sing her way out of a paper bag. So it's we weren't all uh, get together and lined up. But pr primarily, for some reason, our generation was of a mind, of a, of a similar mind. And the younger people now are not. They have different... There are some who are really talented, some who are unlike others. Say, uh, Alicia, amazing worker and very bright. And some are slobs. Some are uh, mechanical. Some are... But they're all... They don't have a, a, a single effort I would think the single effort would be to get Trump the hell out of there, one way or the other. Uh, not Republican. I loved my parents. They were Republican. They're Eisenhower Republicans. They weren't crazy. They're different from my opinion. I'm a Democratic Socialist. I would like it if somebody like Bernie Sanders could win, younger, because the guy get in and then die in two years. That's no good. Uh, but he, but uh, I'm different from my parents but they weren't crazy. These people are nuts. Should we go in and try to dose Trump? You think it would work? <laughs> I couldn't even get to Richard Nixon, let alone... I, that's what I'm getting at. That's what I'm saying. You, you tried once. Maybe we can... Uh, I tried and I maybe would Maybe we have. can try again. They wouldn't let me in and they're right. They said, no, you're, you're on the FBI list. You're no, you can't come in. And I was standing there with Abby Hoffman <laughs> and they didn't know it. <laughs> 
They would let Abby Hoffman in, but not me. I'm just a rock and roll singer. I'm standing next to Abby Hoffman. What else is the matter with you? <laughs> but they wouldn't let me in. I said, I've got an invitation. Do you want to kind of, have you ever woke up one morning and said, I want to just train somebody to be a younger me and start a revolution again? Do you th- and do you think it's possible to take today's generation and, 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 and reconstitute the level of passion and power and energy and affecting things no, that happened then. You can't teach somebody to be a dancer. Kind of, you can't teach somebody to sing either or be on a stage. You can hone whatever it is you've got and make that a little better. Like over the years, I've been painting for the last 20 years, I learned that this color, if mixed with that color, produces this, which is very good with black or something like that. You learn your materials, what your materials do or don't do. I haven't found a good red, bright Marlboro red in acrylic yet. Maybe somebody makes one. I haven't found it. So it's stuff like that that you know, and uh, there are certain songs that I couldn't possibly sing. I have very limited voice. I can sing four notes fairly well. They're all low. I can't sing high. I couldn't sing to my daughter when she was a baby because I can't sing high. Lullaby! But I can sing high loud. Lullaby! You know, so. (laughs) But I can't sing high softly. So I'm limited. The instrument is limited. Thank you so much, Grace. This has just been wonderful. Oh, thank you. Dennis, what was your biggest takeaway from your conversation that you and John Hughes had with Grace Slick? I want to be as aware and as radical, as opinionated, and as talented as she is at the age of 80. She's as sharp as a tack. Yes, she is. And folks, if you could take a minute to write a review on the Rhino Podcast wherever you listen, we'd greatly appreciate it. Thanks very much for tuning in. Don't forget to listen and subscribe on iTunes so you don't miss the next Rhino podcast. Executive producer for Rhino Entertainment, John Hughes. Produced for Rhino Entertainment by Pop Cult and Rich Mahan Promotions. All rights reserved.